In terms of values, you really want to team up with someone that does have similar values. Someone that has a similar level of integrity and trustworthiness because while you can protect yourself with a well thought through and drawn up legal contract, no contract is ever waterproof. And usually if things go pear-shaped and it ends up in court, the person who wins, although no one ever truly wins, but the person who comes out on top will be the person with the deepest pockets. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, it's Bernadette, and I'm back with an episode on joint ventures. Joint ventures are a great way to fill the gaps in your resources. Most of the people who make a decision to improve their financial situation through renovating and property don't have all the resources they need to do a project. They may not have enough time, may not have enough money, or may not have the skill to do it. And rather than waiting around to get all those things together, often a joint venture is a great way to fill the gaps. Now it sounds easy and it is in principle. However, a joint venture will add a level of complexity and risk to your project and you really need to go into it with your eyes open. So today I'm gonna draw back the covers on joint ventures and talk about the good, the bad and the ugly. So the first thing to note about a joint venture is that you need to take on a partner, sometimes more than one partner. And I look on a joint venture as being very similar to a marriage. You are going to be joined at the hip for at least the time that it takes to do the project and you need to make time for the relationship because there's a high level of trust involved and you need to be compatible. It doesn't mean that you need to think exactly the same. In fact, it's good if you don't, but you do need to have some congruencies. And in other areas, it's good if there is some difference. So firstly, in terms of values, you really want to team up with someone that does have similar values. Someone that has a similar level of integrity and trustworthiness because while you can protect yourself with a well thought through and drawn up legal contract, no contract is ever waterproof. And usually if things go pear-shaped and it ends up in court, the person who wins, although no one ever truly wins, but the person who comes out on top will be the person with the deepest pockets. So you just don't want to go there. You want to make sure that your joint venture partner is someone that you can work with through thick and thin. So in terms of goals, you need to be mindful of the fact that property is fickle, okay? Timing's everything, things go wrong all the time. And if your timing blows out and then when you come to sell the property, it's not the right time, you need to both be happy to wait, well, maybe not happy, but willing to wait uh, for the timing to be right. And If one person really desperately needs their money back, that can become problematic. So you need to actually be devil's advocate and look at what things could could go wrong and what would we do if they did go wrong and how we manage that. And the other thing that you want to look at is really that you have complementary strengths. So if you're both 
say great renovators and really love as women we really love the interior designing and styling aspect of it but nobody's any good on spreadsheets then you're going to be fighting over the jobs that you love and nobody's going to want to do the jobs that you don't love like the bookkeeping so if you can get someone that balances out your skills so if you can find someone that's say you're the the renovator the creative one and you can find someone that's more analytical then that's a really great mix because it means you're both happy in you in what you're doing and presumably the project will go well so before you get to actually drawing up the contract you need to really thrash out all the what-ifs and first step is who does what for example who's responsible for the design and it really does need to be one person and obviously the person with the most skill in that area so for instance the very first joint venture I ever did I did with my builder who is a fantastic builder but also fancied himself as a designer and I just did not want him to be making the decision so I had that written into the contract so that we could keep control of the design because it's really important part of the project when it's got well anytime but particularly when you're selling something for profit so really document in your contract who does what you also need to address the what ifs what if someone dies mid-project like I know I said I was going to cover the ugly so I know that seems terribly dramatic but it happens and you don't want the partner to go down with you so you need to put in a contingency so what happens if one partner dies what happens if one partner gets divorced during the project because that will impact the financial situation what happens if one partner loses their job and can't service alone so as an example that last scenario how I like to get around that is to make sure that the cash component of the project covers the repayments if there's a loan covers the holding costs so that if something untoward happened to that other partner that the project could be completed because if you're forced to sell an incomplete project you're highly likely to make a loss and you don't want that to happen okay so once you've thrashed out all the what-ifs the next step is to go and get a lawyer to draw up a contract now generally the lawyer will only work with one of you so the way you deal with this is that you agree up front before you go to get legal help for a couple of reasons but one of them is if you need to engage a lawyer to help you thrash this out it's going to cost you a lot more if you can make these decisions before you get there then that will save you on your legal costs so basically one person goes and gets the contract the second person once that contract comes to them presumably it will be a contract that reflects the decisions you've made then the second person will take it to their legal representative and have it reviewed with the view to protecting their interests so there may be a bit of toing and froing but having independent advice is critical as I mentioned no contract is watertight and I'm sure you've heard of people saying that they do have watertight contracts so the other thing that you need to agree is how you're going to split the workload the profit and the loss 
So I should say all the loss. So you also need to be devil's advocate in really looking at what happens if there is a loss. You know, I always think at Murphy's Law, if you prepare for it, it won't happen. But sure as eggs, if you don't, then you don't want to be doing that on the fly. And of course, any decent solicitor or lawyer will ensure that you have considered that. But I have a belief that whatever you accept in profit, you should also accept the same proportion of loss. And I know it's very clever to get a contract written that protects your interests to the hilt and if you offloads the risk to the other party. But that's where it comes to working with people who are aligned in their values. So you can agree whatever split you like. There is no hard and fast rule on how you apportion the profit or the loss. It just comes down to, you know, what you can agree out of your discussions and personal preference, really. We have a formula that we like, I like to work to. Others have different formulas. It's really up to you. You also need to have a means of resolving differences, especially if you've only got two joint venture partners, you can easily get into a stalemate. So that's something else that needs to be written into the contract. It may mean that you need to bring in a third party as if there are any disagreements that can't be resolved to be the casting vote. In terms of the professionals that you need, you definitely need a lawyer, but you also need a good property accountant so that you're able to preempt the tax burden and minimize the tax on the project. So it's likely that you'll be utilizing a company structure or a trust structure or both, and you'll need the best legal structure to minimize your risk and maximize your profit. In terms of the money in a joint venture agreement, there's a lot of different ways that that can be handled. The easiest way to manage a joint venture agreement is if the money is all in cash, obviously, because it's uh, it's very liquid, but more importantly, because banks aren't involved. If you have to involve borrowing, then of course the bank holds all the cards. I really don't like being the cash partner in a joint venture where there's been finance because it leaves the cash partner very exposed. If the other partner hasn't put any cash in and the cash partner has cash in and then there's a loan, it sort of tips the balance a bit. So you need to really you know, weigh that up in terms of if you're the cash partner, how that, where that leaves you. Of course, whoever has the loan, their name goes on the title. So yeah, lots of things to think about before you head down that path. Another professional that you might consider using in your joint venture project is a buyer's advocate or a property strategist. We do this because that extra level of uh, due diligence and eyes over the deal, I think helps to reduce the risk. And you want to make sure, don't, don't just go to any buyer's agent. You need to get someone who is familiar with the types of deals or deal that you're going to be doing. So, you know, particularly if you're not overly experienced in property deals, 
then that's an added factor in reducing your risk and also minimising the workload because they will do a lot of the preparation work leading up to your purchasing the property. So all my joint venture projects are bought through a buyer's agent. In the early days, I didn't use buyer's agents, but because I now have a team of really skilled buyer's agents, then of course, that's the way that I approach them. But the last thing I want to talk about is coming into the joint venture with an open heart. When you're in the early stages of a joint venture, everything's rosy, everyone's excited with anticipation, finally getting into a project that they've been wanting to do for ages and nothing's a problem. And so as time goes on and it becomes hard, often joint venture partners will have you know, sort of misgivings about it and think, well, you know, I'm working so sharp, so hard, I should be getting more of the profit than I am. And, you know, a little bit of resentment and creeps in. And it's really, really important that you really keep your feelings in check. The thing is that being able to do a joint venture is an incredible opportunity. So I always say, look at it as the gift that it is. If you weren't able to do a project without a joint venture partner, and now you are because you have a partner, then that's an opportunity that you wouldn't have had. If you're now not feeling so excited about your terms in the agreement, honour your word. That's all you need to do. Get the project finished and reassess at the end of the project. And then you need to get clear about what constitutes a project cost. Sometimes there's some disagreement around what financing costs should be included, whose legal costs and so on. So I'm of the view that all financing costs and all legal costs that relate to the project should be covered. And some things that can become a bit ambiguous are travel and accommodation costs if the project is remote or, or, you know, like a distance from where you are. So you want to get clear about what gets paid from the project and what doesn't. And also whether the person that's supervising the project, the on-site person, is actually paid for their work. So sometimes, well, often their contribution will be their work. They may have some cash in it. And that's why I like to really split up the project management of the project to on-site and off-site so you can get a really nice clean 50-50 split. Uh, doesn't always work, but you know every deal is different. So there's never a hard and fast rule for this. And I've realized I've been talking about a joint venture contract. It's actually a joint venture agreement. Okay, well, it, to further add value to this conversation, I've included a checklist of discussion points to help you if you are wanting to flesh out a joint venture agreement with a potential partner. So you can download that with the show notes. And other than that, love to see you over on the She Renovates free Facebook group to continue the discussion. So as always, I would be very grateful if you make the time to go over and leave us a review. And other than that, I'll see you next week. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.